You are listening to the weekly podcast from Journey Christian Church. For more information about Journey, please check out our website at journeychristian.com. We are a community of fully devoted disciples of Jesus who reach out to love our neighbors, serve the hurting, and develop leaders for ministry. We are in this series called Saved by the Bell. And really what we're looking at is we are looking at uh, different high school topics through the lens of the Bible. And last week we talked about history, which is uh, also known as his story. Today we're going to talk about science. Do we have any science fans in the house? Okay. Okay. Let me see if I have something else we could talk about. Okay. This we. Okay. This is going to be awkward. Okay, this is going to be a long message. Everybody in uh, Lake County online, we have three science fans today. So we're in this series today. We're going to look at science. And in a couple weeks, we're going to do something called homecoming. Now, we all have different images back in high school when we think of homecoming. And rarely are any of them good. I mean, whether it's the way we looked, what happened, just all kinds of things. So we're going to lean into homecoming two weeks from today. And really what homecoming is all about, it's about this. I know so many of us, we want to invite our friends to church, our neighbor, our coworker. And, and we're honest. I'm not saying this is right. We're just being honest. We're like, hey, listen, if I invite my friend to church, pastor, you cannot mess this up. I get one shot. <laughs> I get one shot. And I get it. I'm trying to do the same thing in my neighborhood, some of my family and friends. And this is what I'll tell you. Two weeks from today is the time that you need, you need to do whatever it takes to invite your friends here. We're going to share the gospel. It's going to be fun. We're going to have stuff for family. It's going to be a little bit of everything. It's a great opportunity to bring a friend. Another thing, if you're joining us online, for whatever reason, maybe you live a little bit further away or have other obstacles uh, from meeting a person, this would be the one time that maybe you come back, come home, and just hang out with us in person for a day and, or, or a weekend, whatever it is, but we'd love to be able to have you. So that is homecoming weekend two weeks from today. Now, we have a series memory verse that I want to encourage you to try to memorize. This is what all of this series is coming from, from Psalm 32, 8 says this, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. And this is God to us. So God's saying, I'll instruct you. He's our ultimate teacher. He's, He's our professor. He gives us the instructions for life. He said, I'll teach you and you can trust me because I have my loving Eye on you. So on the count of three, Lake County online apocalypse, all say this loud and proud. Here we go. One, two, three. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. Psalm. Y'all are awesome. Y'all are, y'all are gifted. Okay. Now, last week we, we prayed for our teachers. Last week, uh, uh, all the teachers reported, and then a lot of students reported. But this week, all students are reporting, uh, and a lot of them started either Thursday or Friday. And before we go any further, I just want to pray for our students going back to school. So uh, any school, university, wherever you're at, I just want to pray for you. So if we could, let's just pray right now. God, we love you. God, uh, apart from you, none of us have hope to make it in this life whether it's in an office cubicle at home or in a, in a school system. 
And so, God, we need you. We desperately need you. And so we don't want our kids going to school this year. We want to send them to school in the name of Jesus, knowing that they have a purpose. They are made on purpose for a purpose. And so we ask, would you protect our kids? God, protect them physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, in every way, would you protect them? God, would you give them favor? God, I pray that you would give them favor and blessings. God, I pray that they would be a bright light in a dark world. And God, that you would have your hand on all of our kids. We thank you for them. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. amen. So today we're gonna talk about science. I wanna give a disclaimer because some of you, judging by my recent poll, uh, one of you likes science, but some of you, you, you're, you are a little bit more analytical a little bit more intellectual in your approach to God. And I want to give a disclaimer, okay? Because I want to give a warning. There's no amount of scientific data that can ever make you believe in God, okay? We're going to study science, but there's never enough data to make you believe in God. And some of us argue with people as if there is. You're never going to win somebody to Christ by winning a debate, okay? Here's what I will tell you. Science points to the fingerprints of God, but there's no amount of scientific evidence or data that will make your faith obsolete. Meaning, science and faith go hand in hand. But before we dive into that, uh, some of you, you might like extra resources on this topic. I wanna give you three, and and we'll post this in our weekly newsletter, uh, Love in the Journey as well, so you can check back on that. The first one is this, Case for Christ by a guy named Lee Strobel. Lee Strobel uh, worked for the Chicago a newspaper as an investigative reporter. He was an atheist. He wanted to do a story to disprove the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So he investigated like an investigative reporter, found out you can't disprove something that's true. So he ended up giving his life to Christ and very, very great read and just a brilliant guy. Another one, a brilliant man, brilliant theologian, C.S. Lewis wrote, I would say a classic called Mere Christianity. This is really, really rich, deep read, really good. And some of you are like, listen, do you, pastor, do you even know me at all? What makes you think I want to read anything? Like, like, do you have anything with pictures? Do you have anything like three pages or shorter? These are my people. I got you. How about, how about a movie? Okay. I got two videos. Pastor Louis Giglio has two sermons that are incredible. They're free on YouTube. The first one's indescribable. The second one is how great is our God. Both of these are really, really, really uh, incredible deep dive in science and faith. Really want to encourage you to go check that out. Now we're, we're in school. We're talking about science. Some of you are like, man, pastor, you already lost me. It sounds like this is going to be boring. And so I want to save you from believing that by starting off today's message with a really bad science joke. Okay. So here it is. Why is it bad to trust atoms? Because they make up everything. Listen, this is a free event and I told you it was gonna be bad, so don't blame me, okay? I don't know, that's all I got. So we got faith and science, that's the topic today. And the question is, and what some people will want you to believe is that faith and science are actually rivals. And if things are rivals, then there's always a winner and a loser. So if faith and science are rivals, then one has to win. So some would say science might win, which means faith loses. Or some would say faith wins, which means science loses. But I don't think in our day and age, when we study things, I don't think it's between the Bible and the beaker. I think it's both and. 
I, I don't think it's between science and faith. I think it's both and. I don't think it's either or. I think it is both and. And we understand this concept. We, we believe in this concept of both and. It doesn't have to be either or. I'll give you an example. If I were to say, hey, do you want chocolate ice cream or vanilla ice cream or chocolate cake or vanilla ice cream? You would look at me and be like, no, no, no. It ain't either or, pastor. It's both and. I want my cake and my vanilla ice cream. Can I get an amen? Yeah. Yes. God is both the alpha and the what? Amen. It's not either or. Jesus was all God and all man. We believe in grace and truth. God is the author and the finisher of our faith. It's not an either or, it's a both and. Science seeks the truth of our natural world. That's what science does while scripture reveals the truth of our supernatural God. It's not either or, it's both and. I don't know if you've ever seen this show called Mythbusters, but what they do is they take different things that people believe, these scientists, and then they try to see, is this true or is this false? And so one of the things I wanna do is I wanna play Mythbusters for a couple minutes. I wanna, I wanna kind of bring up two myths that people tend to believe when it comes to faith and science. Myth number one, you have to choose either science or faith. That's a myth. The truth is science leads many researchers to faith. According to a poll from the American Association for the Advancement of Science, 51% of scientists believe in some sort of higher power or deity. And then after that, there's two or three different subcategories that they may not say they 100% believe in a higher power, but they believe in something and they definitely don't believe in nothing, which means this. According to this poll and many other polls, the majority of scientists are not atheists. And many would have you believe that they are, but the truth is they are not. Why? Because science leads many researchers towards faith. This is a gentleman by the name of Francis Collins. A brilliant, brilliant scientist. He was an atheist for many years until his science pointed to God and turned himself into a believer, gave his life to Jesus. He invented positional cloning, you know, like one would. I don't even know what that is. Positional cloning. Like, does he clone like different positions? Like, did he clone a quarterback to make another quarterback? I don't know what, I don't even know what that means. He mapped the human genome. I know a little bit more about that. He, the, the human genome project, if you don't know this, is a 15 year project with the top scientists literally around the world. And he held the, he held the leadership position of this project. It's the largest collaborative scientific project the history of our world has ever known. This man led it. This guy's brilliant. He was the director of the National Institute of Health under three different presidents. National Medal of Science. He won the Presidential Medal of Freedom, which is the highest award given to a U.S. civilian. This is what he said. I love this quote about faith and science. He said, the God of the Bible is also the God of the genome. He can be worshiped in the cathedral or in the laboratory. His creation is majestic. It's awesome, intricate, and beautiful. Isn't that great? Here's the second myth. Myth number two. Christianity at its core is anti-intellectual. Well, the truth is Jesus said to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your what? Mind. So just right off the bat, Jesus at the very beginning said, no, 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 no. The mind is part of everything else I've created in you. Linus Pauling, 
two-time Nobel uh, Prize winner. He said, science is the search for truth, which I would, I would agree with that on, on a lot of levels. Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you really are my disciples, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you what? Free. The truth will set you free. Alan Rex Sandage, one of the most influential astronomers of the 20th century, he became a Christian at the age of 57. He spent all his time as a scientist, and he finally said, I just... After all my research, I have to come to the conclusion that Jesus is real, that he is the son of God. This is what he said. It is my science that drove me to the conclusion that the world is much more complicated than can be explained by science. I wanna give you just a quick snapshot of five historical Christian scientists. First one, Samuel Morse. He created foundational resources on the relationship between God and science. He invented the single wire telegraph, which by his name, you would think he developed Morse code. Second one is Isaac Newton. He formulated the law of universal gravitation, the law of motion, built the first reflecting telescope, and he invented calculus. That is where you boo. (laughs) Like, listen. That's okay. Like, he's a Christian. When I get to heaven, I'm going to boo to his face. (laughs) Like, listen, invent that and put it in your back pocket. Why would you tell people? Like, I honestly have no idea, truly have no idea what science has to do. Like, I have no idea what science or what calculus did for science. I literally have no idea. I do know what calculus did to my high school GPA. (laughs) It is not, it is not good. Isaac Newton's brilliant. This is what was said of him. He spent more time in Bible study than in math and physics. Isn't that cool? Charles Towns prayed daily, wrote books linking science and faith, believing faith was way more important than science. He invented the laser as well as the maser. We don't even know what a maser is, okay? <laughs> a maser is a device that produces electromagnetic waves. He also established that the Milky Way is a massive black hole at its center. John Dalton was a faithful, modest Quaker, uh, came up with Dalton's atomic theory, which is the basis of chemistry. He discovered the law of partial gas pressures. Ernest Walton said science was a way of knowing more about God. He was the winner of the Nobel Prize in physics after he artificially split the atom and proved that E equals MC squared, which I still don't know what that means. So I'm just, I just want to make sure I'm being real with you. I, I'm not a scientist. I, 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 I'm not even going to fake it. I don't even know half this. This is my point. Why would I share all that? Because science and scientists and faith are not exclusive. They're often hand in hand. Some of the, the fathers of science, uh, of science in all fields have a strong belief in God, not just historically, but also in our modern times, because Christianity is not anti intellectual. I want to give, there's so many different conversations and I don't want to have, I'm I'm never going to present the gospel or anything in a debate format, but I do want to educate you on something that many people have debated. And that would be this creation versus the big bang theory. Pastor, tell us which one is which. Okay. I want to unpack both of those. Creation is what we as Christians believe because we believe in the, the amazing, incredible word of God. This is what Genesis, very first verse of the Bible, Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Creation, that's what we believe. Verse one, uh, Genesis 1.3, God said, let there be light, and there was light. Now, here's the deal. I just want to pause here because we kind of skip over this pretty quickly. Like, we read that, we're like, man, that's so cool. There was light, God, God just spoke, and light, light came. Let me explain something to you. Light travels 
at the speed of 186,000 miles a second. So when God spoke and said, let there be light, it wasn't this beautiful thing. I think on some levels it was beautiful. I think it may have been the most ferocious, awestruck thing that's ever happened to our planet. God opened his mouth and at the speed of 186,000 miles a second came light to every piece of our planet just, just by opening his mouth. Then God said in Genesis 1, 26 and 7, then God said, let us make mankind in our image and our likeness. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them, meaning God created everything on purpose for a purpose. And that includes you. When we were in school, in elementary school, you learned about something called a ruler. Some of you that are a little bit older, that gives you flashbacks to not something that measured 12 inches, but something that went upside your backside, okay? <laughs> a ruler is a tool that we use to, to be able to measure things. It was invented so that we can measure bigger things. It's 12 inches, that's a ruler. The universe is so big that for us to measure it, we had to come up with a massive ruler called a light year. A, one light year is approximately six trillion miles in one year. That's a light year. That's our ruler just to measure the vastness of the universe that God made. No, no wonder the psalmist says in Psalm, one, or in Psalm 19, one through four, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They have no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth. Their words to the ends of the world. See, what God created is massive and it is beautiful. The Milky Way galaxy, I don't know if you know this, we live in the Milky Way galaxy. The Milky Way galaxy is one of hundreds of billions of galaxies. And in our own galaxy, just in one galaxy, there are billions and billions of stars. As a matter of fact, if you were to count every single star and count one per second, it would take you 2,500 years to count all of them. This is why God says in Isaiah 40, to whom will you compare me? Who is my equal, says the Holy One. Lift your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the starry host one by one, calls forth each of them by name. Because of, this, because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. You see, when we look at our universe, there are two really, really important truths that we see. God is huge, bigger than we could ever, ever imagine, which is why it's so silly when we pray and we're like, hey, God, I got a couple recommendations for you. I, let, me, let me just slide these to you. I, I, I want you to take my advice. God's like, that's cute. <laughs> First thing the universe is telling us is that God is big. The second thing the universe is telling us is we are really, really small. We're not the center of the universe. One, as humans, that's important to know, but as Americans, when we're kind of told that as Americans always, no, it's all about you, you're the center, you're the And the universe is just screaming out, man, you have no idea. God is the center. We're just a small fraction of it. Neil Armstrong, who's the first person to walk on the moon, he said this, he said, I remember on the way home on Apollo 11, I remember coming back and I, 
I stuck up my thumb and closed one eye, and I was able to blot out earth. He said, in that moment, it didn't make me feel like a giant. He said, it made me feel really, really small. And that's exactly how we should feel. Because God is big and we are not. Now here's the scientific problem with creation. Some of you are like, you can't say that. Well, I could say, I could say that. Listen, we cannot be scared to have honest conversations about what we believe in. We have a scientific problem. I cannot prove beyond the shadow of a doubt that God created the heavens and the earth because God has always been. I can't, I don't know how he came. He just always was. That is called the leap of faith. I have to take and you have to take to believe in creation. We have to take a leap of faith that God just always was. The God of the universe that created things, we have to take the faith that he just always was. So that's creation. Let me unpack the Big Bang Theory. Now, the way I'm gonna describe the Big Bang Theory, this is not my interpretation. I'm using their words, so uh, I don't want you to think I'm belittling. I'm just telling you exactly what what they believe. And some of you, many of you may believe this. That's why I wanna expose it. The Big Bang Theory is is described as an explosion, explosion randomly created our entire universe, the earth, you, and me. That explosion came from a tiny, dense fireball that exploded. And when I think of tiny, dense fireball, I, just, I can't help it. I just, I'm a product of the 80s. I think of Super Mario Brothers, okay? That little fireball, okay? So like, like we got a little Super Mario fireball that somehow randomly exploded and created everything. All the galaxies, all the stars, you, me, which means this, you weren't made on purpose. You were happenstance. And because you weren't made on purpose, you don't have a purpose. You, you don't even have morals according to this, because you can't, because everything's an accident. Here are the odds of it happening by accident. Scientifically speaking, the odds of the universe happening on accident like this are one in 10 billion. Not one in 10 billion, listen. One in 10 billion to the 123rd power, which is, which is this, 10 billion with 123 zeros behind it. The odds are more likely that you will win the lottery 10,000 times in a row and get struck by lightning every time as well. (laughs) Now, some of you, I talk to you, you have the faith, I know it, to win the lottery 10,000 times in a row. Like, like you're like, man, this this is my week. This is my week, pastor. I I know where it's coming. You need to pray for me because it's coming back to you, pastor. I want you to listen to a chemist and recipient of the Nobel Prize in chemistry. This is what he said, not a believer. He said, the statistical probability that organic structures in the most precisely harmonized reaction that typify living organisms would be generated by accident, zero. He said, you are so intricately made and our universe is so intricately made, the probability of an accident is zero. So here's the Big Bang Theory's problem. Creation, we have a problem. We have to take a leap of faith. Where did God come from? He just always was. The, the, the Big Bang Theory's problem is where did that original tiny, dense fireball come from? Where did it come from? And what, what people that believe in the Big Bang Theory, they don't realize they have to do is they have to take a leap of faith and say it just always was. That's why ultimately it's called a theory. But here's my problem. Schools and universities don't teach it like a theory. They teach it like science. 
okay? And what we need to do is to understand it is not science. It is a faith statement, just like creation. Because the moment you take a leap of faith and say, I just have to believe that this fireball came out of nothing, which scientifically isn't right because science says nothing comes from nothing. So you gotta take a leap of faith, which means this. Everybody believes in something, which means I don't think there are any true atheists. Everybody puts their faith in something. What are you putting your faith in? What are you putting your faith in? Everybody believes in something. The question is, what are you putting your faith into? And so some of you, you may be more uh, uh, coming to Jesus, more in intellect, and, and you have lots of questions. And I would say, that's great. God put your mind in you for a reason. Questions are not bad. Questioning God is not bad. None of that is bad. Doubts are not bad. Can you say that as a pastor? Doubts are not? Yes, doubts are not bad because here's this. We don't need faith if we don't have doubts, right? We need faith because we have doubts. The thing is, we gotta make sure our faith is greater than our doubts. The problem is when our doubts are bigger than our faith. That's the problem. But we can't walk around here and act like we don't ever have any doubts and everything's good. No, no, we have doubts. The question is, how do we handle those doubts? I think there's three different, at least three different ways that we come to God with questions. I don't think questioning God is bad. I think why you question him can be bad. So let me break it down in three different ways. One, we can question God out of anger. And we do this when God disappoints us. We take our fist and we shake it at God. Why God? Why would you allow this to happen? And so we ask the right question, we just do it in the wrong tone, with the wrong posture. I don't think he's scared of your why, but I don't think you're asking in a way that wants to receive anything. The second way is not with anger, but with arrogance. God, why would you do this? As if we know better than him. But I think you're allowed to ask the question why with a humble and inquiring heart. God, why are you doing this? Why am I going through this? I don't understand. Help me to see what you see. What are you trying to teach me in this? You see, there's a friend of mine, his name Mike. Mike's been in advertising for 20 years, great career, great dad, great husband, serves here, great family. A couple weeks ago, he was let go of his job. And Mike began to ask God why. And I watched how Mike, over the course of the past two weeks, questioned God. But he asked God, what are you trying to teach me? God, what are you doing in this season? And he confessed, he said, he said, Dustin, he said, I promise you a year ago, two years ago, five years ago, it would not have been the same. If I asked God why at all, it would have been full of arrogance and anger. But chances are, I wouldn't have even asked him. I just would have left him. He said this. He says, now, and this is the basis for it, his faith is greater than his doubts. You see, right now, Mike has the same pressure that you do, the same bills you do. But you know what I know about Mike? he may have a lot more peace than a lot of you. I've been watching Mike for a couple weeks. Mike has no idea where his next paycheck's gonna come from. He doesn't know anything, but he's explaining. He says, Pastor, I don't know how to explain it. There's a peace in me. I don't get it. Why? Because his faith is greater than his doubts. He's got the same question, why? Doubts are okay. As a matter of fact, God says, bring me your doubts. 
bring me your doubts and he'll pick you up and he'll hold you. All your questions, all your fears, all your concerns, God says, bring them to me. Here's why Hebrews eleven six: without faith, it's impossible to please God. And let me just tell you, Mike is pleasing God a lot right now. I believe we get to worship God in the valley in a unique way that we can't worship him on the mountaintop. And Mike's worshiping God beautifully. Mother Teresa is a hero in the faith. Many of you know her, many of you don't. Mother Teresa is a longtime missionary to the poorest of the poor in India. Just incredible woman of faith, godly woman. In 1975, a philosopher named John Kavanaugh went to work for three months at the House of the Dying in Calcutta with Mother Teresa. He was searching for an answer to some spiritual struggles. And and one morning, he got to sit and talk with Mother Teresa. And Mother Teresa asked him, what can I do for you? Kavanaugh asked her to pray for him. And she said, what do you want me to pray for? He answered with, this request. He said, this is the whole reason I traveled thousands of miles to India. Would you pray that God gives me clarity? And only in a way that Mother Teresa can do, she smiled, looked at him and said, no, I will not pray that you have clarity. When he asked her why, he was kind of taken back. She said, clarity is the last thing you are clinging to and you must let go of. What Kavanaugh said next, he said, you always seem to have so much clarity. Mother Teresa laughed and said, I have never had clarity. What I've always had is trust. And so I'll pray that you trust God. There's no amount of scientific data that's going to lead us to the feet of the cross. Science, are the, it's the fingerprints of God. But sooner or later, you're going to have to embrace something called faith. And the moment you do, it's risky. It's so risky. It's vulnerable. I get it. But the moment you do, I don't know how to explain it. There is a level of peace, love, and joy that will overcome your life that will last for eternity. And the secret that other people here know that maybe you don't is they're living in that peace, love, and joy. Bring your questions to God but would you bring your faith as well? Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, God, thank you for Mother Teresa. Thank you for that just beautiful response. And so I pray that over my brothers and sisters today, my friends uh, listening online, Lake County, Apopka, God would, some of us are begging for more clarity, but you don't wanna give us more clarity. You wanna give us more faith. So God, we'll just flat out say, I don't care what you wanna give us, Give us whatever we need to do to follow you better, to follow you more, to to be more aligned in your will. Maybe some of us, you do wanna give a little bit clarity, but in all of us, I know you wanna give us more faith. God, I pray for that, that person that's been here. They've been kicking the tires of Christianity for months or years now. And the thing that's been holding them back is scientific data. They just can't connect every dot. And at some point, they're gonna have to take a leap of faith from this dot to you. Would today be that that day that they fully surrender? The words of Jesus, the savior of the world. We, We can't follow him. We can't be his disciples 
unless we lay everything down, pick up the cross and follow him. And sometimes laying everything down is our own doubts and questions, our own struggles, our own mind. Whatever is stopping us from having more faith, would you help us to lay it down today at the altar? And would you meet us right where we're at? God, we thank you. God, we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the weekly podcast from Journey Christian Church. If this message was a blessing to you, be sure to click the follow button and share it with your family and friends. For more information about Journey Christian Church, please go to journeychristian.com.